You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. After a succession of one-sided matches to open the tournament, a full house at a sun-kissed oval with treats the Game of the World Cup so far. Bangladesh beating South Africa by 21 runs. It was an inspired performance from Bangladesh, who hit 330 for 6 and then restricted their opponent to 309 for 8 in reply, inflicting a second defeat of the tournament on South Africa. With India up next, Faf Duplessis' injury-hit side are already facing an uphill task to qualify for the semi-finals. Welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. I'm your host, Joe Harmon. Uh, with me is Phil Walker, Editor-in-Chief of Wisdom Cricket Monthly, who's hot-footed it over to my place after watching events unfold at the Oval. Phil, welcome. Yeah, hello again, Joe. <laughs> Uh, a little later in the show, we'll be hearing from South African cricket writer Daniel Gallen on where the Proteas go next. But first off, let's focus on what was another special day for Bangladesh in, in World Cup history. Yeah, it was a, a landmark day for them, really. As you say, the highest highest score they've ever put on in a World Cup. And they defended it, um, I was going to say, tigerishly there. Thankfully, you know, I didn't. I had that thankfully, intro, thankfully, I had not to go. It's yeah, I... I I managed to hold that one back, but they fielded really, really well. They 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 held their nerve with the ball. It was at one point with about fifteen overs to go. I think it was forty nine fifty one on the Critviz predictor scale, and so it really was a classic old arse nipper of a game. Uh, but Bangladesh held held it together and deservedly um, are on the board. It was uh, notable that Ian Bishop said as the match was reaching its climax and it became clear that Bangladesh were going to win that this shouldn't be regarded as an upset. And, nope. and when you look, I mean, Bangladesh's uh, formidable record at home has been, is, is known by all, but, and they're considered not so strong away from home. But actually, I mean, we had a semi-finals at the 2017 Champions Trophy, quarter-finals at the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. This is more than a side that can play in home conditions where it's turning now, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And we saw that, as you mentioned, in the Champions Trophy. Um, you know, Mamadullah made a brilliant 100 against New Zealand in that game that they won. And they, they won it in a mature and feisty way back then. That was two years ago. 
they're, they're now a, a long-established and well-established um, major nation right in the heart of, of international cricket, uh, especially in the 50-over format. Um, and we saw it today, really. And, yeah, Bish, Bish is absolutely right. We shouldn't be surprised by it. Um, th- there is still, though, that kind of murmur around certain players that... Uh, and and there is a, a still a kind of first world snobbery still towards them slightly. Mm. I saw a I saw a mess a tweet from from somebody who picked up on a on a line that Mark Nicholas said innocently enough at, at half time. He said, "Well, many will be surprised to have, to see Shakib at the top of the all rounders rankings." And the, and this fella he's been there for on Twitter said he's, he's he's been in the top three for ten years <laughs> yeah. since January two thousand and nine, yeah, yeah. and he's been number one for for a number of years as well. So. And we'll come to Shakib in a minute because he had his own landmark, and it was, yeah. I guess, suitable that um, it, it played out for him as their their kingpin player um, on a day where where Bangladesh have made a big statement on this tournament. Uh, as we do on each show, Phil, I'm going to ask you for your moment of the day that kind of summed up today for you. Well, it actually came in the second innings. It came during the the run chase um, when, as I say, it was getting very tight and it was hard to call. I st- I still had Bangladesh um, because. Chasing 330 plus down, it doesn't matter how flat the track, how how much depth you have, it's a tough chase. And we saw that on Thursday with South Africa yeah, against England. Exactly. Yeah. Scoreboard pressure plays a big part and will do throughout this tournament. So my moment uh, was, was Saifuddin, the seamer, who is a kind of work-a-day kind of seamer. You know, he's medium-fast, nothing much much more than that. He's not especially imposing, but he bowled really well today. He's a bustler of a medium-pacer. He took two good wickets and... Crucially, he got rid of Van der Dusen, who uh, just pumped him over mid-wicket for six and was looking like uh, he fancied the challenge. Van der Dusen, of course, he's only played for five minutes, but he's averaging 85-90 or something mm. obscene and bloated in ODI cricket. Uh, Suddenly become very important to them, hasn't he? Yeah, indeed. And, and Safudini kind of held it together um, and it was, it was an innocuous delivery, really. It was straight up and down. Uh, but it managed to just squeak through. Um, took his took his middle stump out, and uh, and that was that. Really, that was that, the, that was the that moment. Was the decisive moment. Wasn't you, it? you could pick one or two others in that innings as well. Um, Shakib, as we mentioned, you know, key moment today for him, moving to his own landmark of five thousand runs and two hundred and fifty wickets. And the two hundred and fiftieth was to clean up Markram, who'd played nicely for forty four. I think he I think he made, and again. South Africa had gone gone well early on. They were ninety odd for one inside the first twenty, um, and that was a, that was a crucial moment, really, uh, and it really set the tone for what was to come. The bit that surprised me about Bangladesh, and, and pleasingly so, was uh, when they were batting because they got off to a great start. They were looking like they should be on for three forty, three fifty, and then Tahir took a couple of wickets, really turned the screw in those middle overs. And where Bangladesh have really suffered uh, is at the death. They're hitting at the death. I think only Sri Lanka score at a slower run rate in the last ten overs. Is that right? Uh, since the last World Cup, so it, it really it felt like they were kind of grinding to a halt. And then you thought, oh, two seventy, two eighty, South Africa will chase that down. But then they hit uh, fifty nine. I think it was off the last five overs. It Mamad- was fifty four from four. Fifty four from four. Okay, so even better off that last four. Mamadullah forty six not out from thirty three balls, and really took them to a total that you thought this is a kind of a, a maybe win to a to a probably win. Yeah, and you saw that when Faf walked off as well. You know, his head was bowed, and I think he knew that they were twenty. 20 they'd let twenty go there uh, from the South African point of view. But um, I like the order. I like I like the way that they've. Positioned their their key men. Sumya three. You're a fan of Shakib. Shakib makes sense at number three, and increasingly you're seeing this, aren't you? You're seeing, you know, Joe Root bedding down at three, 
anchoring an innings. Um, there's been many changes in ODI cricket, but that's a constant, that the number three tends to be the player around whom the stroke makers congeal. And Shakib is a perfect foil for those, you know, and he's obviously as old as the hills as well. You know, 75 uh, in, from 84 balls today, which in the context of their innings, when others are playing more expansively around him, is perfect. One I'd like to mention is Sumya Saka, who I've mentioned on this show before. I saw him get a stunning 100 in New Zealand in a test match. Got 147, I think it was, quickly and elegantly. And he's, he's, a, he's a left-hander to die for, really. Um, he made 42 in 30 balls this, um, this morning alongside Tammy, of course, who is you know, their, their established star player. Uh, and then Mamadullah comes in at six. Now, Mamadullah's record in England in particular is brilliant. Um, and his record in big tournaments is good as well for Bangladesh. He came in at six, 46 from 33, and took it away from them, really, alongside Mossadegh, who played one of the one of the finest shots of the tournament so far. Absolutely clattered a back foot cover drive yeah, yeah. Uh, through extra cover. Do you remember yeah, it? No, and so. and <laughs> it was bullet-like. Yeah. And the man was no more than seven or eight feet, well, seven or eight yards away, just didn't even bother moving. It was incredible. Uh, on, on the notion of consistency through their innings... I heard a stat from 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 the great Andy Zaltzman. How he how he unearthed these things, God only knows. But this was the first World Cup game in history where both teams' top sixes made at least fifteen runs. <laughs> how does he? How just, can you find he that? He could out? just make this stuff up, couldn't yeah. he? And then we we just repeat, it and then it becomes fact. Not that Andy would do that, of course, course not. How do you do that though? How do you look that up? That's we've got to get Andy I, I on the show and find ask him. out. I'm going to find. I, just, I like the idea of him, him kind of just scanning through every scorecard in the history of ODI cricket. I presume there is a more efficient <laughs> way than that. Um, but well, we, but who we, knows? we'll have to find out. Friend of the show, all of that. Um, um, also, we should we should mention Mushfiqur Rahim here as yeah, well, who, who had the, the mighty cent- atom, the cent- century stand with Shakib. I think it was the highest partnership for Bangladesh in World Cups. Um, and there was when him and Shakib were at the crease together. They've both done this many times before. There was a they were playing their shots. They were scoring quickly, but there was an element of control to it. Um, that really struck me that we wouldn't have seen from Bangladesh sides of old, that they knew exactly what they were doing. It seemed they had a target in mind. Then, of course, they both got out in quite quick succession, which is when I feared for them. But then again, they came with Mamadullah at the end and uh, yeah, and, and just showed what, what a complete team they are now. Or and and an way. experienced team, you know. They've been round the block now. Tamim bats, opens the batting, Shepard bats three and Mushfaka bats four. They must have a thousand ODIs between them, or well, certainly getting up to eight hundred ODIs between. And those even the kids players. have played a lot as well. I mean, it struck me where Phil and I are putting together uh, the best youngsters in the world for the next issue of Wisdom Cricket Monthly, and and uh, Bangladesh have got three in their eleven in yep. Mustafa Zur, Mahedi, uh, and Mozadek. Yeah, uh, no other side in the World Cup would have that many. I don't think. England don't have any. For instance, mm-hmm. Joffre Archer is their mm-hmm. their youngest player and doesn't qualify uh, in our in our rules for the best young player yep. in the world because he's 24. Um, so th- these guys are young, but they've also got a load of under ODI caps on the belt. So anyway, we've, we've hyped them up. Uh, if they weren't already, are they genuine semi-final contenders? I think, I think they are the outside hit for that fourth spot, I, th- I would say. Um, there's always a team that, that bolts from somewhere and there's always a team that, that tanks in, in a World Cup. South Africa have put their hand up for the latter. Impressively so. Yeah, and Bangladesh have the right kind of combination to make a, a run for that fourth spot. What I would say, while Mustafa Saar Rahman or the Fizz to you and I, uh, he was excellent today. And it's really good to see the bloke back. He's only, I think, 22 still. Mm. 
still a kid really in, in international cricket. But if you recall, two years ago, he came over here with a big reputation and had a stinker of a Champions Trophy. He took one wicket for 180 Is in the right? Champions I, Trophy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And he took three for 60-odd today. And bowled well, and he bowled sharp, 86, 87. The cutters were in there as well. So he can be a spearhead for this team. They in the way that. that they, exactly. They didn't, the yeah. they didn't have that last time round. Um, okay, they have a couple of, you know, good time fellas who are bowling medium pace. You know, in, as, I, as I mentioned, uh, Safuddin, but also obviously the skipper as well, Mortaza, who, you know, his first three overs went for 30-odd. So, I mean, you would say... They're lacking a couple of really good support seamers. Um, but, you know, they have quality spinners, of course. Mahadi was class today, and, and Shakib obviously took that key wicket of Markram. On Shakib, right? Mm-hmm. So he became today comfortably the fastest bowl, uh, cricketer, all rounder, to 5,000 ODI runs, 250 ODI wickets. Okay. okay yeah. He did it in 199 games which is 50, let me do my maths, 59 games faster than the next. I've got the list here, the top five. We shouldn't be surprised to see him at the number one in the ODI rankings. No, no, we, no with indeed. Those, with those stats. Indeed. Um, although, of course, Elvis, Mark Elvis Nicholas was surprised this, this large time. Are you going to test me? Yeah, yeah come on then. So okay. what have you got? So 250 wickets, 5,000 runs. Uh, he's top of the tree. Who's yeah. underneath him would you go for? Uh, Jack Callis. Callis is in there. He's fourth. He's fourth in line. 296 games it took him. Okay. Uh, uh, Afridi? He must be. He's played loads. Afridi is third in your list. 273. I tell you what, I don't think you're going to get number two. Uh, do you have any other guesses? I have one in mind. Go on. And I remember this from another... It's not the same stat, but I remember from another stat in that he's taken more wickets than you thought. And that was going to be Carl Hooper. He's not in the top five. I'm going to tell you, number two is Abdul Razak. (laughs) Abdul Razak, 258 games to get 5,000 ODI rounds and 250 ODI wickets. He's scoring that many runs. No, but he was a gun player for a few years, wasn't he? And and in at five, Sanath Jayasuriya. Of course, of course, Joe. Hooper might might be number six, who can say, but (laughs) my research doesn't go back that far. So it's been a day of of landmarks for Bangladesh. You know, 330 for six is their highest ever uh, ODI total. Um, as I say, Shakib far and away the most impressive all round, all rounder in ODI history. Uh, it's been a glorious day for them, um, but for every every winner, you've got to have a miserable loser, and it was it's been hard watching it for has. South Africans. Yeah, that takes us on to uh, your chat with Daniel Gallen, South African cricket writer. Um, just after, immediately after Stumps, was it? You spoke to him? Got yeah, five, five, five minutes after, um, he, had, he had a face like thunder. And, and he's one of these uh, young young journalists who's who's still a fan as well as a writer. The defeats hit him hard. Yeah, and, and you could sense it as well. And I was sitting behind him in the press box and I was seeing him throw his hat in the air and all sorts. And, and yeah, this is what he had to say. Uh, okay, I'm here with a... Probably pretty crestfallen Daniel Gallen, uh, South African cricket writer, who's just now witnessed two defeats in, what, four days? That's right. So, Norton 2 for South Africa, and they've got India next on Wednesday. Right. We're five minutes out from, from this defeat against Bangladesh. You can still hear the Bangladeshi fans outside, jumping for joy at the Oval. Uh, where does this leave your side, Dan? Hanging by a thread. Um, yeah, this has not gone according to plan. I think... England was expected, number one side in the world, arguably one of the best ODI sides in history, maybe, potentially. 
This, this was not expected. Um, I think anything other than a resounding victory wouldn't have been acceptable. Even, even a scraping over the line wouldn't have probably been acceptable for 5 Plus C. So, yeah, I think this leaves them uh, having to look in the mirror, a lot of soul-searching, a, a lot of quiet nights tonight. I think, um, yeah, they, they're hanging by a thread. Is there realistically a way back for them now? I mean, if they, if they face India on Wednesday and that one doesn't go their way, then they're going to have to win six in a row. Well, exactly. And, and you know, some of the chat in the, in the press box was, you know, referencing Australia 99 how they lost a few of their games and they came back. But they had Shane Warne, who was yet to explode, and also they had a bit of a plan B, uh, opening with Glenn McGrath rather than bowling first change. I just look at the side, and they just don't look like they have a plan B. Plan A ahead of this tournament was, all oh, we're going to open with Ngidi and Rabada, talked up as one of the most menacing opening attacks in the world. And yet I think we waited six overs or five overs for the first bouncer against a side that is notoriously weak against the short ball. So if, if they... If they're going to espouse this plan A and not even enact on it, I kind of don't know where they go. They, they, they look like... A, I don't really know what South Africa are. I can mm-hmm. look at England and say, okay, this is how they look to win cricket matches. I can look to Australia. I can look to India. I can look to... I can even look at Bangladesh. They look to strangle you in the middle overs with some nibbly bowlers. I, I just don't know what South Africa are. I don't know what cricket team they are. Are they... Uh, covering up though for fundamentally a lack of quality through the 11 there's mm. obviously some world class players in there with, from right. Cop to Duplessis to Amlet of course he didn't play today but right. are they having to manage mm. a rather threadbare squad in terms of depth at least that's right I, want, I once asked a, a football manager what makes a great football manager he said well the best thing is just having good players <laughs> yeah. so I, I think you, you know you mentioned Duplessis and you mentioned Amla but are they world class Dukok unquestionably world class Rabada unquestionably world class the rest they're okay they're good Funderdissen is, is I think batting above his station everyone else is performing below par Pech I, I would say Pech Lequire Imran Tahir and Rusty Funderdissen can probably hold their head, head up today mm-hmm. I think everyone else was below par I mean Quinton was unlucky Aiden Marker and, you know, sold him down the river with that one but and that was a key moment and that was a key moment because if anyone was going to chase the target down it's going to be Quinton the cock you're right it's, it's, a, it's just not a very good cricket team and I, I, I'm, I'm sounding a bit abject because I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to process this so I'm probably being a bit harsh but, but, but they were number one in the world not too long ago you know they're number three in the world currently now mm. uh, they're a very difficult team to beat in, in one day cricket over the mm. last couple of years mm. um, so what's going wrong here and is it something to do with that middle order you, you mentioned those names but I heard a stat just now number six to nine their average is is combined 18 over the last two or three years mm. and and while there is some world-class players here and there, it mm. seems like that engine room is really struggling. And that average of 18 is the lowest amongst the, the major nations. And so, and so is there something going on here that, that they maybe don't quite have the right personnel in the right places? You, you mean in this team in the batting lineup? I, I don't know because we... we Rusty van Dissen kind of seems to have, have filled that spot. But I look at JP Dumini and I don't think he middled one today. And I, I don't think JP Dumini has middled one in the last several years in a Proteus shirt and I'm, I'm a big fan of him that 166 he got, he got against Australia remains no, 10 years ago was 10 years ago and remains one of my favourite uh, yeah. moments uh, for the Proteus but yeah he, he is a bit of a passenger but I don't know looking at domestic cricket I just, it's not like there's anyone who can feel hard done by for not being here I think this is the best available squad for whatever reason, I just don't think that it's working. And, and, and as you say, it just comes back to the quality of the players. I, I don't but think C- if... Chris Morris then, right? Right. So Chris Morris is a, is a frustrating cricketer. Yeah, very much Chris so. Chris Morris has earned a lot of money in the IPL. He's yeah. had moments when he's looked like a top class... Well, not mm. top class necessarily, but a, 
certainly a very serviceable international cricketer. He's had days out for mm. South Africa. Mm. But those are too few and far between. And he must be an enormous frustration for South African fans because you can see the, the boy can bowl in the late 80s, he can hit a long ball. And yet when push came to shove today, he shoveled a, a juicy full sauce straight down mid-wicket's throat. And it's, it's, that's the, the more kind of recognisable story about his cricket. I think today summed up exactly what Chris Morris is about because I like, I like him as a guy. I've interviewed him and I think he's a, a lovely human being, but unfortunately that doesn't win cricket matches. Otherwise, you know, I think we'd be playing. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, summed him up. Got a, got a wicket with a bouncer. You know, albeit it kind of stuck a little bit, but it was still up around the throats and it was uncomfortable. Yeah. But then too many balls in the slot that your batsman just kind of stepped back into deep into the crease and hit him through the covers. And you wonder, well, when is he going to adjust his length? Three fours later, he still hasn't adjusted his mm -hmm. length. Batting today, creams one through the covers, hits another one, and then and then as you say, just spoons spoons the simplest of catches. He's he's kind of painted as this X factor player, as if this somehow means something. But but for me, David Warner is an X factor player. Yeah. Andre Russell's an X factor player. Ben Stokes is an X factor player. An X factor player is not someone who has the potential to be exciting, but someone who is exciting and also backs it up with stats. And you look at Morris's numbers, and and he just gets in the side because we think that. Well, what if it's next game? And I just, I just wonder why. I mean, I would have, I was happy to see Morris play over Pretorius because I think Morris has a bit of extra zip that that Pretorius doesn't. We saw how Pretorius was quite nibbly against England. Yeah. But that was only going to work if Morris is going to come out and be a strike bowler, like like they were saying they were going to use him. But yeah, I just. All right. So yeah. what what happens next then? India on Wednesday mm. changes in personnel. Is Stain going to be fit? They hope so. Ngidi going off with a hamstring injury is a big... If Ngidi doesn't play, I think, I think we're done. I mean, I, I probably had us at only about 20% anyway. And, and it's just because of the batsmen and our inability to play spin. The last time we played India, their, their, their two wrist spinners just completely decimated us. This, yeah. this exact lineup. Yeah. So, I mean, we were, we were almost no hopers at, at the best of times. Um, where, does it, where does this leave South Africa? I don't know. I, 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 on a, and that, and that's, I think that's the frustrating thing. I just don't know how I would change it to make yeah. it better. Amla, Wednesday? Um, he was in contention today. I don't think he was ruled out for health reasons. I think, right. well, at least that was the message from the camp. Okay. But, but I think they figured they could do without him today. Um, but he wasn't exactly terrible. Yeah, I know he's going to be trial by spin on Wednesday, though. Then... then Amla needs to play, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is one of the better players of spin. I mean, and, and, and his, his pedigree speaks for itself. If he's fit, he plays. But these head injuries, you know, they can only be like yeah. two or three days later before you really know what's up. But Indeed. I saw him running drinks, so he was obviously fit enough to, yeah. to do that. Yeah. Um, okay, briefly a word on Bangladesh, um, mm. who were impressive, really, especially yeah. with the back, brilliant intensity from start to finish. Very good. And I think that was probably the best I've seen Bangladesh field. I know that they outfielded South Africa, which is, you know, unthinkable, South Africa and Bangladesh. Mm -hmm. They just seem to, they, they kind of operated this like really frantic energy all the time with bat and ball and in the field. And they're kind of always chattering and they kind of, they mirror their crowd, you know, it's this like kind of high edge of your seat intensity. And, yep. you know, they always, they're always like kind of throbbing at this, at this frequency. And yeah, very impressed with them. Loved their fans. I thought, that, I thought they were great value. They, they out-batted, out-bowled, and out it's South Africa. Good value for the win. Well, a fairly grim assessment from, from Dan there. Uh, I hope for his sake, South Africa gets some wins, because I'm a little, <laughs> little bit worried about him. But um, I think he'll be okay. He'll be all right. He'll be all right. Um, anyway, I haven't done my moment of the day. I know you're anxious to, to hear that. Yeah, Bill. yeah. Fire away, Joe. Uh, Dan touched on it there, but it was, it was Ngidi's uh, hamstring injury today. Hobbled off after four overs. 
Uh, it meant South Africa didn't have their their death bowler obviously impacted on today, but it's more how it would impact on on the rest of the tournament. I mean, yeah. we talked about South Africa at the start and their strengths and their pace bowling was their obvious strength. But now we're in a position where Stain is not yet fit to play, might be in the week, but we don't know. Ngidi could possibly be out for the next couple. I mean, Duplessis said days or weeks afterwards, so we don't yeah. know there. Rabada is not at his best. I'm not saying he's bowling badly, but he's not at his best. And we've now and and uh, he looks oddly meek and a bit I detached. Thought I thought Rabada. that as well. And then we've got um, Anrik Nortja, who couldn't even make the squad after yeah. he was picked because he was out injured. And he was their their rapid kind of their wild card, if you like. Yeah. So now we're in a situation where Chris Morris, who wasn't even in the squad initially, is now kind of leading the attack with Rabada, and that that's not a great position to be in for a side that had aspirations of a semi final place or or beyond. Uh, so yeah, it was a moment of the day which could have kind of wider implications for the tournament. Yeah, I think. and and as and as Dan said on, on that on that clip. You know, without Ngidi, he thinks that they're done on Wednesday against India. Um, it remains to be seen. Uh, it's good, though, that the tournament's at least had a, a we needed proper it, good didn't one. We? Yeah. we needed it. Yeah. Um, anyway, also, just before we wrap up, regular listeners of the show would have uh, noted Phil's absence last night, leaving me to do the night shift with, uh, with Sam Perry. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. Phil, uh, still coming to terms with a day of mixed emotions? T- tell, us, tell us about <laughs> your day briefly, I would add. Briefly. Yeah, all right, well... The, the only news anyone needs to know is I've played my first game of the season um, in my lucky Australia cap. So I have this baggy green cap given to me when I was at the Sydney Test match in the press box. Yeah, I've, I've seen yeah. it. Yeah. With the same number as Bill Woodfall on the back. Um, and whenever I bat in it, I get runs. And lo and behold, I got a few yesterday, Joe. Thank you very much for asking. And how many, how many is 61, I got 61, saw us home, 20-odd shy, obviously gave it away, true to form, but did allow me to get showered and changed so I could leave to go and see Spurs win 3-2 um, <laughs> in, in a glorious in the comeback. worst in the worst football final that's ever happened appalling from a new, oh, it was really bad wasn't appalling. it appalling the only benefit to watching such a bad game is that I didn't really care at the end um, seeing my team uh, just drift away on the vine we'll never see them in there again um, but that's that's life and that's football and that's probably just about enough football for a cricket <laughs> podcast during the World Cup um, we'll be back tomorrow with not one but two podcasts uh, we'll have the next episode of our daily show that's just excessive isn't yeah, it possibly <laughs> You tell the bosses. Uh, with all the reaction to England's match against Pakistan at Trent Bridge and also uh, the Wisdom Extra podcast, a bumper show reflecting on what we've seen so far in the tournament and looking forward to the next week of action. South African journalist Neil Manthorpe will be joining us for that one. No, no doubt we'll have some strong words for yeah, what no he's doubt. seen from his team so far. Uh, this has been the Wisdom Cricket Daily podcast in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. And don't forget forget to subscribe on the podcast app or Spotify. Now, about that 61 again, Joe. Podcast Network.